Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. You know, over the last uh, couple weeks, I really felt led to get back to some basics. And so I want to talk to us about some things, at least again today, that maybe for some of us, they're reminders. You know, how many know it's good to be reminded? Uh, How many know that sometimes if you're not reminded, you forget? Especially as you get older. I get it. But reminders are good. That's why we don't just, you know, read a scripture one time and we're done. Right? That's why we study things out. That's why we say things with our mouth. We remind ourselves. You know, some of the things we've been talking about, for many of us, it could just be a reminder. And reminders are great. So soak it in today. Maybe you'll get a new, new nugget of something you hadn't heard before, and that's great. But even if nothing's brand new, guess what? Reminding or being reminded is great. Some of you, we've had an influx of new faces and, and, and new people, and I really feel like some of these things are foundational. If we understand these things correctly, it helps us in this journey as we grow with the Lord in our soul. And so today we're going to talk about this idea of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Because like I said, it could be a reminder to some of you, other, maybe it's new thoughts in this life of following Jesus, what that really looks like, what it looks like to have relationship with God, to have relationship with a divine being. Because he's in us, he moves through us, amen? But sometimes I think we can make relationship with God so hard and so laborious And so it becomes this thing that, you know, I I do this on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday night or at a small group or when I get up in the morning. Those are great things to do. But sometimes we make this into a life of performance, trying to do more to get God to maybe love us more or bless us more. But he's already given us all that we need, all for life and godliness in Christ. It's a done deal. Now, it's up to us to believe and receive that, to access it, right? But, but I think sometimes we can make this so hard because we think that God wants us in performance mode. I was talking to some people this morning, and I believe that grace is the doorway for us into the kingdom. Now, grace is awesome, and, and it's a foundation, but there's things that we do in the kingdom of God. Okay, we, we all have, there's, there's a reason you have gifts and talents, okay? There's things that we do in this kingdom to continue manifesting the kingdom, bringing more of the kingdom to this earth where we are right now. And so I think it's important we see that, but it shouldn't be laborious. It shouldn't be hard. It shouldn't be, I've got to do out of obligation. It should be something we do out of inspiration. We're inspired by the love and grace of God to do what he's called us to do. Are you following me so far? And so this morning, I want to talk about this idea of the fear of the Lord and hopefully clear up or clean up some some bad theology. That's what we try to do every week, get a a clear picture of the face of God. But I want to look in Proverbs chapter 9, very famous scripture here, Proverbs chapter 9, in verse 10. It says, the fear of the Lord, say fear of the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Let's read that again. Let's read that with me, actually. Ready? Read. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is what? Understanding. So the fear of the Lord. Now, if you do a study and you look all through Scripture, you're going to see this phrase many times, the fear of the Lord. Uh, last week, we went to see the new Lego movie, Lego Movie 2. How many have seen that? 
I'm telling you, it's an awesome movie. I love the whole, I love the Lego franchise. Uh, many times have you gone to these kid movies and you're thinking, is my kid even getting this sarcasm right now? Because I'm laughing way louder than they are, right? It's cool when your kids start to laugh with you. You're like, oh, they get it. This is cool. But, you know, we're watching the, the Lego movie and their soundtracks are just awesome. I mean, the songs that they sing. And so there's a portion of the movie where this song comes on and they're trying to get people. They lock them in a room and they have to sing this song over and over to get themselves happy and on board. And they think that this is a ploy. It's an evil thing, right? I won't tell you anymore. But the song is, it's called Catchy Song, but, but the chorus is, this song's going to get stuck inside you, or this song's going to get stuck inside you, or this song's going to get stuck inside your head. Is it stuck in your head yet? Uh, no? Just listen to it one time, Pete, and you'll go through the week, and all of a sudden you're like, why am I singing this song? It's crazy. Now, we did get home, and my son pulled it up on the Apple TV, and he's playing the song over, and finally I'm like, stop it. But even after he turned it off, guess what? I heard it. This song's going to get stuck in Why am I singing this? He gets stuck inside your head over and over and over again. And so I found myself singing this song. Last night I was studying a little bit, going over my notes, and Kristen walks into the room and she says, I can't get this song out of my head. And I went, this song is going to get stuck. And so she goes, yeah, the catchy song. I'm like, I know. I'm sitting here trying to study the holy word of God. And all that's going through my mind is this song's going to get stuck. And so, oh my gosh. But you know, I think fear is like that. Fear gets stuck inside our head. You're really going through a day and everything's fine. And, you know, maybe you've been through some trauma in life and some different things. But all of a sudden you get this thought, this fearful thought. And then it starts to build on itself. And you start to wonder about, I wonder if they said this or if they're doing that. And I know they said this or whatever it could be. You have these fears. I wonder if, if that bill is going to come in and it's going to be more than I thought it was. We start to get these fears and it gets stuck inside your, stuck inside our, stuck inside our head. See, fear has this way of just clinging to your mind and getting stuck inside your head. But that's how fear works. It gets stuck in there and then you can't seem to pull away. It's fear of the future, you know, fear of what someone is saying about you or fear of lack, fear of death. We could go on and on. It's a long list of fears and worries and anxiety. Fear can be poisonous when it's stuck in your head, when it's stuck in your mind. But it's a real thing. I think it cripples. For some of us, we freeze up. For some of us, we just want to run away. And I think it's important that we understand in the light of this, if, if fear to us is being terrified and being scared, then what does it mean to fear the Lord? You follow me so far? Does it mean that we're terrified of God and what he might do? Does it mean that we're scared of our heavenly father? What does it mean to fear God? You know, for me, on this journey, I've come to a place where I believe that we fear God in the same way that as a child I feared my father. Now let me say this, I was extremely blessed, very blessed to have a, a wise, loving father. And I had deep respect for him. Now, we didn't always agree. We didn't always see things eye to eye. I moved out at 19 because of that and never moved back in. But to this day, I still have a deep respect for my father. And, and I knew that he loved me. Even in correction, there was a love that was present. I, I always knew, um, of course, I didn't like the consequences or the discipline. Who does, right? 
but I always knew that he had my heart, that he had my best interest in mind. And so I was blessed to, to have a father like that. Now, maybe some of you haven't. And so it's even tough to see God as a heavenly father because of what you've gone through. But I want to show you something today because the distorted faces that we've gotten through religion, through messages about what God is, his anger, his retribution, these types of things, that he hates people, he despises people, what it's done is sometimes it's got stuck inside our head. And so we see God in this way. And so we're like, well, of course I fear the Lord. But you know, there wasn't one moment in my personal relationship with my earthly dad that I ever felt that he hated me or that he would harm me. And I'm here to say this this morning, that God does not hate you and God will not harm you. Okay, because there's, there's been a lot of jacked up teaching out there that says, well, God loves you so much that he'll put stuff on you, sickness, disease, car wrecks to teach you lessons. I'm here to say that's not true. God is not far away hurling down catastrophe at us to teach us lessons. If an earthly father were like this, we would call a place called CPS, right? And yet we believe that Heavenly Father, some of us believe that he's capable of child abuse. And I just don't see that. You know, we could do a whole series on this and pull apart some of these myths and mistranslations, if you will, and these ideas that we've had of God. But God is love. God is light. He gives us revelation. He gives us wisdom and knowledge. He gives us love. And it's not just, oh, I love you. Love you too. We're talking about agape in the Greek, love. It's that self-giving, self-sacrificing love. This is who God is. And Jesus came to demonstrate that to us. So I ask again, what does it mean to fear the Lord? Because it's in there, right? What's it say? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? I think this is an important question. And I think that you have to have a really good answer to this question. Why? Because your answer reveals your level of trust and security in Heavenly Father. Now again, some of you are like, oh yeah, I think I heard this message. Maybe you did. But I want us to be reminded this morning of God's love towards us. And I want us to see what it really means to fear the Lord. How you answer this question reveals whether you are walking in grace or under condemnation. I've had people tell me, well, I walk in the love and the fear of God. <laughs> Pete, I love you, man. When I say something like that, he just knows when I'm being a little bit sarcastic. But, but, but people say this, and I'm not trying to come against anyone this morning. I mean, I think at one point in my life, I believe the same thing, that, you know what, I believe that God is scary, and, and he'll only accept me if I endure and overcome and obey and do everything that the Bible says. Or maybe we can say it like this, God qualifies me, but I can disqualify myself through sin, through doing wrong, through insufficient repentance. I can disqualify myself. It's like this, we think it's this holy fear. I have a holy fear that will, that, you know, here's God, the bookkeeper. And so if I fear him, then maybe will help me stay on the straight and the narrow. Now, when we say things like this, I believe that it sounds religious. It sounds really spiritual. And I believe that our intentions are right. Because for many of us, we've 
we're starting to awaken to our righteousness, our right relationship. We're starting to awaken to our true identity, which exhibits good works and the fruit of the spirit. And so when we say things like this, listen, I would say things like this in the past and it was with good intentions. I really wanted to live right. When I would live wrong, when I would misstep and stumble, when I would sin, when, when I would do something that goes against the grain of who I am, I knew it was wrong. And so my intention was to do the right thing. And I thought, I need more parameters. I need more law. I need more legalism. I need more fear of God so that I will stay in line. But the truth is, it doesn't work as good as we think. It just doesn't. I've been there. But when we make statements like this, even though they sound spiritual and they sound religious, they're faithless. It isn't faith. Think about this. To live by law is not living by faith. It's living by a set of rules versus faith is, you know what? I don't know everything in life, but spirit, you do. So teach me, train me live through me. And sometimes it feels like you ride the bike with no hands. You ever experienced that? Because people say things like, why do people want mixture? Why do they want law over their lives? Because it feels easier. Because there's bumpers. There's rails. But here's the thing. The Spirit teaches us. And there's one law. First of all, there's one command Jesus gave us. It sums up everything. He says, love others as I've loved you. Not only that, the scriptures tell us this, that he has now sown the law of love into our heart. This is huge. Because when we operate out of love, we won't sin. Think about this. Anytime you sin, you're going directly against the grain of love. And so that's why it's important that we live out of this law of love that's in our hearts. I think they reveal a confidence in the flesh that insults the spirit of grace. What did the apostle John say about this whole mixture idea? He basically said, fear and love don't mix. It's like oil and water. They don't mix. First John 4, 18, he said this, there is no fear in love. Now stop there for a second. What did he say? There is no fear in love. That means they can't mix. A little bit of fear and a little bit of love, that's mixture, doesn't work. There is no fear in love. But perfect love, now hear me, hear me out here, perfect love drives out fear. Now when we see this, we're like, I got some work to do because I have not loved perfectly. But the word perfect just means mature. When you mature in this thing called love, it drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Look at this. The one who fears is not made what? Perfect or mature in love. So when you're truly walking out love, when you're truly being saturated in the love of God, when you're living a life of love, no fear will be present. I mean, it's, it's a great way, good litmus test of are you living in love? How much fear is in your life? Fear of God, fear of man, fear of situations, fear of death, fear of disease. No condemnation. We're on a journey. We all are growing in this. But if there's fear in an area, it's because love hasn't been perfected or matured in that area. And so it's awesome because you can say, wow, 
I've got room for improvement. Because guess what? We all do. We're all on a journey, a journey of just, I've said it before, but you know, in our soul, we all harbor these different lies and different things that have transpired in our life. And it's up to the spirit, which is light and love to expose those areas, to show us what's in there to bring healing and truth. So now we can walk through this journey without believing a lie. Is that powerful? And so it's important that we see fear and love don't mix. Listen, if you fear the punishment of God, then love has not had its perfect work in you. Look again to the cross. Look again to the finished work. Look again to the love of God. Because I'm telling you right now, the cross was perfect love demonstrated. No greater love does a man have than this than to lay his life down for another. And so Jesus, God in flesh, allowed humanity to crucify him. This is, I'm still just, there's, man, there's still so much to learn about the cross and the symbolism here. But I can say that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, we put Jesus on the cross, okay? And he led us. <laughs> self-sacrificing, self-giving love. But see, resurrection was God's response to that. What you did wasn't right. I mean, the apostles, the prophets, they say that the cross was not just, folks. It wasn't a just thing. This was a man who had no criminal charges other than he didn't agree with religion and he didn't agree with the empire. <laughs> Major grievances in their eyes, I'm sure. But we killed God, committed deicide. That just blows my mind, and he led us. He could have called a legion of angels. And you know what? He, think about this. Any other king would have said, uh-uh, ain't having that, would have called his legions, right? Legions, I mean, at that time when they heard it, they would think of legions of soldiers. He would have called his soldiers. And guess what? They wouldn't have just rescued him. They would have slaughtered everyone who tried to kill him. And God says, nope, kingdom doesn't operate like that. There's no anger, war, hatred, retribution. This is not a kingdom deal. You follow me? These are strong words, and these are things that we have to really sometimes not just ingest, but digest for a while and say, wow, the kingdom is nothing like the kingdoms of this world built on murder and war and retribution and hatred. Jesus allowed us to do that, but the resurrection was his answer. His response was, no, how you're living isn't right, so follow me. Live kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy. That's the way you're supposed to live. Isn't that huge? God is for you. He is not against you. Of course, not every Christian is afraid of God. I mean, there's many Christians who aren't. And if you consider yourself as part of this group, let me ask you this question. Then what is the fear of the Lord? Now, my response for this would probably be something like this. To fear God is to give him the reverence and honor due to him. That's what I believe fear is. It's reverence and honor to him. This sort of fear has nothing to do with pain, has nothing to do with punishment, but is a proper response to a God who is holy, who is righteous, awesome, and good. This is a response to an awesome father. Reverence and respect. Does that make sense? If you know God is your heavenly father, then understand that the fear of the Lord is not cowering before his smiting hand. It's being in complete awe before his eternal goodness. You see the difference? 
You're not fearing him because he's going to lay the smack down. Now, again, maybe you've grown up in a home where that's what happened. Daddy gave you the backhand. Daddy pushed you around. Daddy said words that weren't edifying and, and made you feel unworthy. But that is not Heavenly Father. That is not who he is. Demonic fear would have you run and avoid your Heavenly Father. But true biblical fear, when properly understood, is where you are caught up in breathless adoration, marveling at God's goodness and love towards you. Are you catching this so far? Now look again at Proverbs chapter 9, in verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now, when you look at this in the actual Hebrew, it says the Yirah Hashem is the beginning of Chokmah. Say that three times, Chokmah. I love the Hebrew language, it's beautiful. The Yirah Hashem is the beginning of Chokmah. Now this word Yirah means respect, it means reverence. Listen to this, I, I dug into this even deeper. This is so cool. It means to see. To see the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We're told to taste and see that the Lord is angry. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. I was going to say something else, but we're in church. No, taste and see that the Lord is good. To see the Lord a reverence and awe for him is the beginning of wisdom. Why? Because you stop and you say, maybe he knows a little bit more about life than I do. That's wisdom. So you see him, you have respect, you have reverence for him. To me, this is experiential. We can't get away from this. Do you, do you know that this is why I say it often that I love the scriptures, I love going to church, I love all the things we do. But sometimes if we're not careful, it just becomes ritual and we don't have the relationship. Think about this. The early church experienced relationship with God and they didn't have a New Testament Bible. How is that even possible? Now the scriptures point us to the word of God, Jesus. They show us what it looks like. I mean, Paul writes these letters and he, he starts out, the first half of the letter is telling you about how good God is, how good he is to you, that you've been reconciled, you've been brought into favor, that you're a saint. Now, he was talking to the Corinthians, by the way, who weren't acting like saints at all. I mean, even the Gentiles would look at them and go, huh? The stuff you're doing and you say that you know Jesus? But Paul calls them saints over and over again. But then what he does is about halfway through when he settles the foundation in your identity of who you are, he says, now this is what it looks like. So show love, do right, don't sleep with your, your neighbor's wife. Oh, okay, that's a good one. Thanks, Paul. He says, because of who you are and your identity, we don't do these things. That's not what you're built for. That's not who you are. But it's so important that we experience God. See, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We're not moved by what we feel, but how many know that God wants you to feel his presence? He wants you to know that he's there and he loves you and he cares for you and that he's built you for a much greater purpose than many of us really give ourselves credit for. You're built in his image and his likeness. It's absolutely wonderful. 
Now this word chokmah means wisdom, skill, prudence, and shrewdness. We could really say it like this, the fear of God, understanding, having that respect towards him, seeing him is the wisdom of not acting against love. That's so cool. It doesn't have to be hard to understand. But for some of us, we still walk around maybe with a little fear. Fear what God's going to do. God already demonstrated what he was going to do. It was give himself for you. So you could awaken to your identity. So you could start to walk in what he's already provided. It's a finished work. And so we need not have fear. I love this scripture here in the Passion Translation. It says this, the starting point for acquiring wisdom is to be consumed with awe as you worship Jehovah God. To receive the revelation of the Holy One, you must come to the one who has living understanding. So I just want to give you two points today. Number one is this, to fear God is to worship him. Say that with me. To fear God is to worship him. Now, many of us have heard this, this said before, but what does it really mean? Where does the idea come from? I mean, it comes from Jesus. Jesus said these words. Remember how he quoted scripture to silence the devil during that temptation in the wilderness? I think it's important that we say things out loud as we change our minds, and, and that's called repentance, right? And change the way that we see things. Well, let's compare what Jesus said with the actual scripture he quoted. See if you can spot the difference. In Matthew 4.10, Jesus said this, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, he got this scripture. He understood. How many know Jesus was a Jew? That surprises some people. Like, I thought he was a Christian. No, Jesus was a Jew. And so he knew the law. He knew the Torah. Where did he get this saying from? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13 says, Fear the Lord your God and serve him only. So Jesus comes along and quotes, fear the Lord your God and serve him only, but he interprets it differently. He says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Listen, do you believe Jesus or not? I mean, Jesus says, listen, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burnt out in religion? Come to me. I'll give you a real rest for your soul. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. His yoke as a rabbi was his interpretation of the scripture. And right here, Jesus reinterprets the words from fear the Lord your God to worship the Lord your God. Who are you going to believe? I love Jesus' interpretation of scripture. How about you? So did you spot the difference? Moses said, fear God, which Jesus interpreted as worship him. Whenever you read an appeal to fear the Lord in your Bible, you can rightly interpret it as worship the Lord because Jesus gives you permission. Isn't that good? Now what is worship? I've taught on this several times. Maybe we'll do that again this year. But worship, really in a nutshell, is relationship. It's relationship with God. It's an awe and it's a reverence, but it really comes down to relationship. Why? Because you can only see how someone is in the midst of relationship. Does that make sense? And so it's about relationship with God. 
But pastor, I mean, through the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. That's what Proverbs says. I get it. But it's only the fear of punishment that stops people from sinning, pastor. But is that true? Because I feared for a long time and I wasn't stopping some of my sinning. It it just, it it didn't work. Because I felt like I can't measure up anyway. Oh, well. And I would use that scripture. uh, If you think it in your heart, you've already done it. I was like, I already thought about it. I might as well do it. (laughs) I'm serious. I'm just being honest with you. (laughs) I mean, I was taking scriptures completely out of context, but you know, hey, I'm a heathen. I guess that's what I am. I'm distant and I'm dirty. So guess how I'm going to act? Distant and dirty. It wasn't until I realized that I was up close and I was clean and it was personal and he loved me that it started to change the way that I acted. And I would agree that the fear of punishment can be a great motivator. Right? I mean, I grew up in a home. I, I Listen, I told you I had a great dad. But there was some fear of punishment going on. There really was. Fear of the paddle. You know, fear of the consequences. And so I believe it could be a great motivator. But I found in my life, the better motivation is worship. Or we could say relationship with God. It is it has transformed my life. Issues that I've had in my life, addictions that I have in my life, they have literally fallen away the closer I get with my father because he starts to point out my true identity. And you start to see that. You're like, wow, I'm not built for that. I'm built for this. It's worked so much better in my life than fear. It's the tasting and the seeing that he is good. I believe it's a greater understanding of who he is and who I am that brings lasting heart change in matters of sin, addiction, and wrong actions. So it's not about fearing him. It's about worshiping him, which is I'm in awe and reverence at his love and his goodness. And now I'm seeing him for who he really is. I'm tasting and I'm seeing that he's really, really good. Like, this isn't just something I hear on a Sunday morning. The truth is he's really good to me here and now, and it changes my heart, which in turn changes my actions. See, awakening to who you are in Christ makes all the difference in the world. Listen, the good news is that Christ is in you, and you have died in Christ, and you've been raised up with Christ. So whose story will you believe? Your story about yourself, someone else's story about you, or God's story about you that you are a new creation. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now that you've been raised with Christ, you are free to live fearlessly. No fear. And I can be honest with you, I have, I have no fear of death. Like, I don't want to die for at least another hundred years. Because I got family. I want to see great-grandchildren. I want to see great-great if I can. That'd be awesome. More Lego movies to go to. But I, I really, there, there's no fear in my life. There's no fear of the afterlife. There's no fear of God. There's, oh man, one day when we stand in judgment, um, judgment's already been done as far as I'm concerned for me. He remembers my sin no more. Come on, somebody. And that, that applies to past, present, and future, folks. And some people hear it like, so that means I can do whatever I want? Sure. And then reap the consequences for it. There's, the consequences aren't taken away, right? I mean, if you sleep around on your wife or husband, you might end up in a divorce. 
Might happen, right? If you drink too much at the local pub, okay, keep it to one or two beers, guys, okay? But if you drink too much at the local pub and you get in an accident and kill someone, there might be some major consequences for that. Did you follow me here? So we have to use wisdom within this. And it's funny that when people hear the word freedom in a church service, they get, they get scared or they get happy because they're like, I got freedom to sin. It's like, no, you have freedom from sin. There's no longer any bondage. You don't have to buy into that idea that that's who you are. Does this make sense? And so it's beautiful to have complete freedom and live a life that's fearless. I have, man, when I go, I'm going to be in the loving arms of my father and be like, whoa, this is what the other side's like. This is awesome. It's going to be awesome when it happens. But there's no fear. I can live fearlessly. And let me add, not only can I live fearlessly, I can live righteously. I can do it. I can make the right choices because of the right relationship that I have with my father that's showing the rightness within me. Some of you need to look in the mirror and say things like, I am good. You know, the heavenly father, when in the creation story, he created man and he said these words, he says, and it's very good. And his opinion never changed. Ours did. Our opinion changed. We were deceived out of our identity. Did God say, that's what the serpent said in the story, right? Did God say that if you eat of this, you'll surely die? And so he's having this conversation. What he's basically saying, and this is almost leaning towards that series we're going to do called Through the Eyes, but he deceived them. He tempted them with shame, not believing who they truly were. And so they bought into the temptation. They were deceived. Now, now Bishop said this before, and this just radically blew my mind. So if you haven't heard this before, if your children are deceived into doing something wrong, are you mad at them or the person that deceived them? Think about that for a minute. Because I'm telling you, if you read the story, God never separated from man. He went out of the garden with them. He, he made clothes to cover them. He was there when Cain was contemplating killing Abel and said, hey, listen, sin crouches at the door, waiting for opportunity, Cain. Think this through. I mean, God was there the whole time with humanity. He never went anywhere. But in our minds, we were separated. The Apostle Paul said that we were enemies of God in our minds. So people walk around, they don't know who they are, and so they act crazy. Imagine that. But when they awaken to their righteousness, when they realize who they truly are, bearing the image of God, it changes everything. You follow me so far? It's a life of right relationship with God and others. That's what changes everything. Number two, last point, fear and love don't mix. We saw it earlier. You cannot mix fear and love. Fear has no place in a healthy, loving relationship. No place at all. It's important that you get this. You can't balance fear and love, folks. I've tried doing that in the past. It doesn't work. You cannot balance fear and love. They're like oil and water. It's like light and dark. It's complete opposite ends of the spectrum. You cannot take part or have part of your heart shouting, I love you, Lord, while the other part whispers, but I'm afraid of you. There's no intimacy there. 
Think of relationships you had where someone was dishonoring towards you, where uh, someone was abusive towards you physically or verbally. There was never real true intimacy. You could not have a loving relationship and fear in the same relationship. It does not work. So if you fear your heavenly father, that means love has not matured. It's not been perfected in you. I'm not putting you down. I'm just saying if you fear the Lord, the truth is he's there. He loves you. You can't mix the two, so let him love you. Let me love you. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Let me love you. But I, but I was afraid of you. Why? Why are you afraid of me? See, you can't give yourself wholly in relationship to someone that you're afraid of. And I believe that your heavenly father loves you more than you know. It grieves him, I believe, when you hold back because you're uncertain of his love. And I think that it breaks his heart when you shrink back because you think he's going to hurt you. Now again, maybe your natural father did. Maybe he hurt you. Maybe he was abusive. But that's not your heavenly father. He'll never do that to you. That's not who he is. He loved you so much that he died for you and now he lives for you. He longs for you to receive his unconditional, let me add, undiluted love. So again, whose story will you believe? The Apostle Paul said this in 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Power there is the word, it's translated ability. Love there is that word agape we talked about early, earlier. It's that self-giving, self-sacrificing love. And that sound mind means that you actually learn how to live in moderation, self-restraint, self-control. So we could say it like this. God gives us the power and the ability to receive and give love that then brings self-control. Or we could say it renews our mind in this relationship that we have with him. And fear has the opposite effect and paralyzes our minds. Because one thing that Bishop Jamie said, it's huge. He goes, love removes fear, but fear then can also remove love. See how that works? Love removes fear, but fear can remove love. Paul also said in Romans chapter 5, Verse five, he says, we're not ashamed to have this confidence. I love this word confidence in the Greek. It means approval, peace, and favor with God. It says, we're not ashamed to have this type of confidence because God's love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Can you see this theme that God is a giver? He's constantly giving to us and he gives us good gifts. But even the love that we have he has given to us. It says he's poured it into our hearts. Such beautiful words. It's poured in there. It's, it's to the point where it overflows out of our heart. Because the Holy Spirit will always seek to remind you that you are God's dearly loved child. Say that. I am God's dearly loved child. See, you can't hear this enough. We need to understand this. this. This is what will help us to walk correctly in life. Now, for some of you, you might say, sure, pastor, I get it. I mean, God loves everyone, not just everyone. He loves you. You got to make this personal. We got to understand that this love is for you. And it's hard for us to fathom this because we might have different levels of love towards different people, you know, different feelings. And it's hard for us to imagine that God loves us all the same whether we go to church or not. 
whether we got a clean mouth or we got a potty mouth. I mean, it's hard for us to, to think, okay, God loves us all the same. I mean, doesn't he love me a little bit more because I go to church every Sunday? And, and, and for God's sake, I work with the kids. That's, that's, that's hard. That's sacrifice. But he loves us all the same. I really encourage you to get into the habit of agreeing with what the Holy Spirit's saying to you about yourself. If you have to, tell yourself every day. You know, that word confession is really important. The word confession means to agree with, to say the same thing as another. And so are you saying the same thing that God says about you? Or are you saying something else? Maybe every day you need to tell yourself, God loves me and there's nothing I can do to make him love me any more or any less. And the more that you hear that, the more that change will transpire in your life. It's the love of God that does this. I believe that as the love of God roots in your heart and it grows, it will drive out fear. And there's an often repeated statement in the Bible, and it's this, fear not. Fear not. I think fear not will become real to you. It might even become your mantra in life. Fear not, or you could say, no fear. You won't fear failure, you won't fear men, you won't fear death, and you most certainly won't fear your Heavenly Father. Those who don't believe this will fear, but those who believe become fearless. Last uh, scripture of today, Psalm 103, 17. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. Now think about this. We could replace fear with what? Worship. From everlasting to everlasting. I mean, it's like forever, folks. It's going on and on and on. The Lord's love is with those who reverence, who see, who have relationship with him. Let me say this. It's not that the love wasn't present. You just didn't see it yet. Taste and see. God's encouraging us. He's beckoning us. He's wooing us to taste and see that his love is good that he'll never leave us, he'll never abandon us, he won't forsake us, that his grace is sufficient in the time of need. We have all we ever need. But he wants us to see this because when we see this, guess what? That love to us is everlasting. And the truth is, only those who are secure in the everlasting love of the Father know what it is to truly fear the Lord. Say, fear the Lord. Say this, to fear the Lord is to worship. Say this, fear and love don't mix. Isn't that good? Sum it up like this, the fear of the Lord. It is to see him as he truly is and respond with awestruck adoration. And that's all he's looking for. He says, I've done it all, I provided it all, but will you receive it? And you have to believe it to receive it. You have to believe it to walk in it. He is truly good and he truly loves you. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.